Welcome to the show where we unearth new ways of looking at ever-evolving life around the world, seen from a number of different industries, cultures, and backgrounds. But there's one thing that unites everyone I speak to. They all want to do their part to make the world better in their own unique ways. It's a uniting passion. Whether they're from the commercial world, third sector, or public sector, from the global north or the global south, my name is Philippa White, and welcome to Thai Unearthed. We all know that education is the key to a better world. But access to education and the opportunity to succeed once at school, it varies drastically around the world. Hello, and welcome to our landmark episode 50 of Thai Unearthed. Today, I'm speaking with Pauline Wanja, the CEO of Future First Kenya. Future First inspires, connects, and builds the capacity of public school alumni as relatable role models to provide mentorship, career guidance, scholarship, and governance support to their former schools. Over the past six years, she has played a vital role in shaping alumni engagement conversations and alumni work in Kenyan high schools and institutions of higher learning. Before joining Future First, Pauline designed and implemented youth programs for Action Aid International, the World Bank Institute, World Youth Alliance, Ashoka Youth Venture Program, and British Council's Global Changemakers. She's an Acumen Fellow, African Visionary Fellow, and is a recipient of a Nelson Mandela Grassa Makel Innovation Award. She holds a law degree from Moy University and is currently pursuing an MBA with the University of London. We'll be talking about the reality on the ground in Kenya for students. We'll understand more about what Future First does and why it's so important. So grab that favorite beverage or throw on those running shoes. And here's an inspiring chat with Pauline. Hello, Pauline. It is lovely to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for the invitation. Tell me, where are you talking to us today? I'm dialing in from Nairobi, in mm-hmm. Kenya, in East Africa. Wonderful. And you're at home? Yes, I am at home. Because it's, it's a, a holiday. holiday. <laughs> yeah. So you're, I'm getting you on a holiday. I'm sorry, but thank you for being available. Okay. I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. So we've been speaking to Future First for many years, actually, and we've been desperately trying to get a Thai project with you. And we were close one year and then it didn't happen. But I'm so excited to get your story out because what you're doing is so important and it's so inspirational. But before we get to that, I think it would just be really wonderful to just understand more about you. So can you bring you to life for our listeners? I've been doing this for close to a decade. And before that, I used to do some work in my neighborhood. I grew up in Kibera. It's one of Kenya's largest informal settlements. So the idea of creating opportunities for young people from disadvantaged communities is very dear to me. The start of the organization was was when and your role within it? Okay, Future First was started around 2013 and it was on the backdrop of a global study on propensity of adults to give back to their old school, to their old high school, which was done in London by an organization called Future First UK. Then the, the research showed the propensity of adults to give back to their old high school was around 52%, with only 2% going back. 
But in Kenya, 78% of adults that were polled said they'd give back to their old school, but only 1% was doing that. So that created the whole opportunity to explore the idea of adults connecting and giving back to their old school. So we've been in Kenya for close to a decade now, and every data we've collected shows a high propensity of adults to give back to their old school. I was writing a, a paper actually on why our work is important. So at the end of colonialism, around early 60s, there was a huge number of Africans wanting to go to school with less schools. So what happened to fill the gap was communities donated land, labor to build school. And that, that culture of giving back to school or community engaging school is very ingrained in our education system right from its inception. Perhaps you can help our listeners just understand what is this context? What are the, what's the context that you're working in? And why is it important that people who have come out of the schools and the adults are engaging with the schools? Why do you need to have that in Kenya? Okay, so uh, I think this weekend, this is our last weekend, uh, Kenya buried its third president. And in 2003, he declared free primary education for every child in Kenya which was a huge win for our education system. But on the other hand, our education system was so overwhelmed in terms of the infrastructure. So schools and classrooms went from having around 50 students to double or triple that amount. So with that, the teachers don't have a lot of time to connect with students and, and give them the extracurricular support they need. And also on the other hand, we have generations of young people who their parents didn't go to school, so they are the first of their families to go to school. And when you talk about this kid, like even in my story, my parents didn't go to school. So from home, you don't get that support you need to either think around a career or even if you do get, you don't know what the next steps are in choosing that line of work. So what we hope with our work with alumni is the schools build that infrastructure within, to, especially for public education system, to provide that service that most students cannot get from their teachers or their families. So we hope our work just plays a very critical role in terms of creating role model for young people. That is incredible. And, you know, I'm just, I've got two young children at home. So I've got a seven-year-old and an 11-year-old. The seven-year-old, she's still having fun. She's knitting and painting and she's, you know, that's, that, there's no problem there. But my 11-year-old, she's now having exams. She's learning about algebra. She's learning about science. So we're talking about dilution. And I'm having to go back to my years of being in school and remembering how, you know, exponents and algebra and sort of having to, but, you know, and I sit with her and she's obviously got lots of questions and she doesn't really understand what the teacher was saying. Um, you know, it's a, it's a class of 17 people, maybe 20 people. So, you know, there's a, a lot of students that the teacher has to, and many classes, obviously, there's many schools that have many more people than that. You just think it's impossible for the teacher to be able to give that attention, that close attention to every single student. So, of course, someone has to take that and help the children learn. And if the parents haven't gone to school and understand that algebra or have the time or, like you say, just even the desire because didn't really understand, never went to school, so never really saw that children need to have that mentorship because they need to obviously see what is possible afterwards but also just to help them get through it right <laughs> exactly it's almost like children are you know it's a losing game a little bit if they don't have that support then they're really left to their own devices aren't they yeah it's true and just to 
contextualize that. The school we started working with in 2013. And I think from our first session, so we brought a couple of alumni who were doing well. One was a lawyer, there was a baker, there was uh, one of the popular musicians in Kenya, and they went back to their old school. And I remember the conversation from the teachers. It's like, it's for the first time the students who are believing people like them can be successful. And uh, the effect of that, actually, that school this year, they did very well in the end of exam. And the teacher is like, now even the students believe like you can come from this poor neighborhood and you get a shot. And that motivates them to That's work. That's Yeah, so I think there's a whole lot of, uh, the, the model itself presents a lot of opportunities for young people, especially from backgrounds where they don't get support at home or from public education system that I mentioned is overwhelmed to assess mentorship and just that inspiration to do better. Absolutely. For people who, I mean, I have connections with South Africa, well, Africa, because I was born in South Africa. And so the continent of Africa has always been very close to my heart. And of course, Thai, we've been working in the region probably since 2000. And I think our first African project was in 2009, maybe 2010. So we've been supporting organizations in uh, probably around you know, well, we're working in 25 countries around the world, and uh, many of those countries are in are in Africa. So I understand many of the challenges and sort of the reality on the ground. You've touched on it already, but I just wonder for our listeners who maybe don't understand just the intricacies and how things are in specifically Kenya, perhaps you can help us understand in a little bit more detail just the challenges that you face in that part of the world, perhaps helping people understand what's the background of these young people. So the context is we work with public schools and most of the schools are under-resourced in terms of human resources, in terms of teachers, tools, textbooks and school uniforms. So they they kind of need that kind of support in terms of infrastructure, but also in a context where a teacher in a classroom has 50, between 50 to 100 students, they're not able to specifically help a student or give that in-depth attention that a student needs. So we feel like there's need to fill that gap. And from where we see the government is overwhelmed, the parents are overwhelmed. So we're looking at uh, a generation of Kenyans that go, has gone through the education system that can be rallied to fill that gap. Can you just tell us a story about one of the students, perhaps, that has gone through the mentorship program and just to bring to light the power of this type of model? <laughs> uh, I'll give an example. And I think this is something that's been keeping me awake for the last two years. And I live in a place called Westlands. And in one of the evenings, so we've been to Nairobi, it's, traffic <laughs> so i made i made i made this old man trying to cross the road and he was limping so i decided to help him cross the road and as we start talking he tells me he's a guard and his son just completed primary school that is grade eight at 14 and he's been admitted to a very prestigious kenyan extra county school but he's not able to pay school fees. So I told him, oh, okay, I work with alumni, so I can go back to my records and see if there's an alumni from that school willing to pay school fees. So I go back home, and after two days, I think he, he had given him my card. He calls me back. So I go through my record, and I have an alumni. I didn't even have a name. He just named alumni. The school is called Musingu. Alumni Musingu. I call him up, and I say, hey, there's this boy who just finished school, he has very good grades, but he can't afford to go to your former school. Can you rally some of your 
troops, like fellow alumni, to pay his school fees. And within a day, they sorted the boy for a whole year, academic year. And I remember, I'm still, I still follow up with the case for the boy. And uh, what was surprising is I'd never met the alumni from the other end. All he needed to know is someone from my own school and they can't afford to and we need to pay school fees. And this last year, he, he, was, he was positioned two out of a whole thousand students. And when I sent the record to the, to the boys that had supported him, they're like, hey, we need to meet this boy. We need to see him through school. We need to know, we need him to know that he's supported. And I, I don't know, every time I remember that story, I feel about the missed opportunity. Like it was this connection with an old man and he telling you, hey, my boy finished school, he can't afford, me going to my phone. And I feel if we expand the model, there's a missed opportunity where we have many students who wouldn't have access to education this year because they can't pay school fees. But we have alumni who would be so willing on a phone call to support. The whole year, it's less than $1,000, roughly $500. To someone, it's like they, there are a lot of other people who can afford to pay that $500. So I feel by us not, not being able to work at large scale, we have missed opportunity to help hundreds of students that do not have access to secondary education. So the, the results were just announced two weeks ago, and I keep getting calls to just connect. And all it ever takes is a phone call. Like, hey, I know you went to this school. I have a student that needs to go to your former school. Can you support with school fees? And more often than not, everyone is like, oh, yeah, let me Gosh. send me the record. I'll pay the school fees. But then we are doing it at such a small scale that it's broadly a missed opportunity. That's why I feel like us conducting a national campaign and rallying more alumni, even in diaspora, will give thousands of young Kenyans an opportunity to go to good schools. Oh my gosh. So tell me, this brings me to my next question because I'm just like, ah! So we obviously have a project written up. We've, for our listeners, we actually had this project written up a, a few years ago, but we had, it was an in-person project. And unfortunately, the individual that was going to go, the company, there was suddenly some terrorist activity close to one of the borders of Kenya, if I'm not mistaken. The company at the very last minute had to pull out and they said, we just can't send somebody there because we're just too worried for their safety. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's now going to be an issue from a sending somebody in person. How do we, how do we fill this project? Oh my goodness. And then we had a pandemic and then, you know, two years passed, but now we're working virtually, which is so exciting. So we don't have to worry. I mean, I don't even know if there's still an issue from that point of view, but anyway, we don't need to worry about actually we've, we've got projects in so many different places around the world, you know, Syria, Iraq, we can now do it virtually. And we have a handful of companies that are wanting to get involved with Thai, with the Thai program before the end of the year. And so I'm just so excited to get this out there because this is our opportunity to support you in the way that you need to be supported finally. And I just wonder, perhaps you can tell our listeners how you hope Thai can help. So I think the broad picture of our work is to have a national shift in the way, I know, especially in the global north, the whole composition of alumni, they can obvious people remain engaged with their school, but that's not the case here. So we hope that to, to build a culture of it. Like once I leave school, I'm able to reconnect or they can always call me back to go, to go and mentor a student, pay school fees for another young Kenyan to get, to, to get access to education. So at the moment, the, the, I think what we're struggling with, with is conducting a national campaign, which would, and would be a huge undertaking in terms of communication and logistics. So we hope after running a national campaign, we're able to 
uh, save alumni information in the database because schools don't keep records. So we build an alumni management system. So we're hoping to have a lot of signups so that there's easier communication. Instead of me going through my phone to look for an alumni, probably interacted to support a student, you can just post it on our site on the alumni management system, or Kenyans can just go like, hey, it's the end of the year, I need to give back or connect to my old school. Or it's June, I'm walking, I'm, I'll be in Nakuru on this day, can I stop or just to give a mentorship talk or have it online? So we are hoping to run a national campaign and I, given the work Kai does and from the initial conversation, I think that's something we would be grateful for the support to do that. We've, yeah. we've ran a few campaigns, but none at national scale because of the logistics involved. Of course, yeah. And this is exciting as well because I, the way that Ty likes to work, I like to build on projects. So if we, you know, we do a campaign, if that's sort of the first step, but I can imagine kind of a strategic project as well, kind of writing it to actually figure out, okay, so how can we scale this? How can this actually become something bigger, you know, a business plan to kind of help drive that as well? Like I can imagine as the team would work with you on this step one, I can imagine building on that afterwards as well and, and helping sort of build a, a bigger, stronger model so you can reach more people. Let's, uh, like let's, <laughs> let's see where things get to. You mentioned what ke keeps you up at night, worrying. I wonder what gives you hope? What gives me hope? Uh, apparently, we rank very high on the generosity index. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I feel there is a whole chance for us to support more young Kenyans by just tapping into that generosity. So that gives me hope. That's, there's something yeah. to tap in. There is a willingness to give. Uh, when we ask people why they don't give back to the old school, they say no one asks. You know, <laughs> that gives you some hope. Like all you need to do is ask. So I That's think great. we need to get better at asking. And I hope I'm hoping this engagement with Thai gives us the opportunity to build that infrastructure that make asking easy. Because yes. I think if you're talking about generation of Kenyans that have graduated through the education system, it's millions of Kenyans. So how do we get better at making the ask for them to either provide access to education, provide mentorship, serve in a school board. So there's a lot whole thing that the education will benefit from yes. just ask, asking better. I hear there's a little one in the background. There is a little one in the background who's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost finished. I don't know if they're hungry or what it is. So we're almost <laughs> done. Tell me, who inspires you? Hmm. I know this sounds cliche. I would say my mom. <laughs> Not cliche. Not at all. Tell me why. <laughs> my mom went to, my mom didn't go to school at all, but she managed to raise six kids, see them through school, including university. And she did that in one of the most difficult environments, like in an informal settlement. So every time and now as a mother, I wonder how the hell did you do that? So I feel inspired every day that she was able to do that. That's incredible. How many children do you have? Just one. She oh. is seven months old. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, I don't understand how people have, you know, I have two. That's nothing. You, <laughs> done. <laughs> I can't juggle anymore. Now tell me, we're wrapping up, but do tell me, what are you working on at the moment that you think our listeners would find interesting? Last year, in partnership with an organization called East African Philanthropy Network, we did a survey on alumni giving during COVID, and we realized there was an increase in alumni giving during a very hard time. So we are writing a white paper on 
alumni giving and the promise for the education system. Just to give you an example, in 2019, which is the last year we actually had really proper records of our work, the alumni we worked with, and this is just alumni from less than 100 schools, donated close to $2.6 million to their old school. And so we, we want to just put that in a white paper and just communicate what the promise of engaging alumni for the funds for the public education system. So that's what we are working. And during COVID, our schools were closed for two years, two academic years. So there was an opportunity for us to rally alumni to just support schools to reopen, which was so... It happened a lot, you know, organically. We had medics going to the out schools, supporting the teachers to feel safe or explaining what's going on to the students. We had other alumni donating computers to the school so that next time students can go. Because what happened is students couldn't, online studies couldn't happen for our schools because there wasn't infrastructure. So in one or two schools, we've seen alumni set up alumni computer laboratories that can help in future online online education to happen which which didn't happen necessitating the two-year break must be fascinating isn't it as you're pulling together just the thinking and seeing the territory and where you're working and actually realizing that oh my gosh you know the there's so much opportunity there there's the desire there's the support now we're just lacking the structure to make it happen. I mean, you're working with it, it, you know, it's just, you just need to make, make it happen. more accountable. Like, hey, I donated a thousand. Who's the student that got the money? Because you need to build that infrastructure. Yes. How was that student selected? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's work in progress. But it's exciting and there's hope. It is. It is very. Yeah. Well, Pauline, it is such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so excited to get this information about what you're doing out there. It is very inspirational. It's impactful. Education is everything. And if we can get it into the hands of more people, the world will be a better place. So uh, if we can be a part of that, I'd be very happy. Thank you so much for the call. And I hope we get an opportunity to work together and build something great. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everyone, this is Philippa again. I hope you enjoyed listening. Now this is your chance to get involved with Thai. If you work in the commercial world, whatever your profession, your position, or your experience, then Thai could be for you. You may have been in business for decades, but have always felt there's another way. Or you may just have a few years experience, but want to do more. Equally, if you want to create game-changing employees and see your company impact the world, we've got you covered. Thai has never been more necessary than right now, and you can be a part of it. Reach out to me at philippa at theinternationalexchange.co.uk and I can tell you more. Or join the Thai Accelerator info session for more information. Apply.thaiaccelerator.com. Better leaders, better companies, better world. I'm your host, Philippa White. This podcast has been co-produced by Berna Vieira and me. Music by Berna Vieira and artwork by Kelps Fahais. I hope we'll meet again soon.